Exit for Podcast Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And for all things X's for Podcast, check out X's for Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Today we have a doubleheader for you, kicking things off with triple coverage on Trial of Magneto number 3, before moving over to the most recent issue of Shang-Chi's most recent solo series. Now, something that has come up a number of times is the title Trial of Magneto, in many ways, has been a bit misleading as it hasn't exactly been a straightforward trial like we'd expected. Now, a number of times, several of us have mentioned that it seems as though the title, Trial of Magneto, is meant to harken back to a classic story originally told in Uncanny X-Men 200. Now, Uncanny X-Men 200, originally titled The Trial of Magneto, was published in December of 1985, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by John Romita Jr., with inks by Dan Green, colors by Glynis Oliver, and letters by Tom Orzakowski, was a double-sized issue featuring just about everybody and in many ways it connected to so many stories it had the appearance from jim jaspers that famously set alan moore off leading him to want distance from the captain britain project as one of his characters had been used without his permission it also sees a number of fascinating tie-in moments for instance through the von strucker twins uncanny x-men number 161 featuring gabrielle haller through her connection with baron Von Strucker is referenced, and that in and of itself puts this in a pretty pivotal moment in the X-Men's history considering the Von Strucker twins are still showing up in the pages of books like X-Corps. This was also the first time we saw Charles Xavier formally give his school over to Magneto. This issue runs directly into New Mutants 35, where now Magneto's in charge. It sets the New Mutants up to be in a really dark place as they head into the Mutant Massacre. In general, the X-Men themselves are at a moral low, having lost Xavier and taking on one of their former greatest foes. Magneto's appearance in Uncanny X-Men 200 is a direct reflection of his appearance in Uncanny X-Men 150, which we have referenced a number of times on this show as a major turning point where Magneto goes from psychotic villain to believable man looking to grow. There's so many important things that we've extrapolated from the events of the trial of Magneto, where for once, Eric finally says power is less important than the good of mutant kind that I believe make the House of X Powers of Ten era possible. While Trial of Magneto is a bit more obscure, it's also of note that Inferno was used for a well-known crossover event in the 1980s, which also saw a pretty significant volume of prelude and crossover and tie-in, making it one of the largest crossovers in Marvel Comics history. So simply invoking that is a pretty powerful thing to evoke for the X-Men. Now, as is discussed later, the X-Men aren't the only ones who suffer from occasional title and confusion. Shang-Chi was recently renumbered after a short series followed by a one-shot and the terrific Unlimited story, and now we're in the second volume of Shang-Chi with the same name written by the same writer. It actually led one of our own to reading the wrong title initially, but ultimately when everything was straightened out, it does lead us to kind of realizing that titling is a pretty interesting thing in this day and age, and more often than not, it's really important to pay attention 
relation to the year attached to the book. This is occasionally made even more difficult by the desire to retitle packages of material. For instance, the backup stories from X-Men Classic were at one point collected as X-Men vignettes in trade paperback before ultimately being properly collected in a title that reflected the original contents. Additionally, over the years, titles such as X-Men Unlimited find themselves collected in things known as New X-Men Companion and Astonishing X-Men Companion, making it a little bit harder to figure out exactly where to look for what title. Over the years, we've received emails and messages on Twitter from fans looking to know a little bit more about some of the titles we've been referencing, whether it's exact volumes or where they might be able to find it. So if we mention a run in the episode and you want to know a little bit more about it, don't be afraid to reach out and shoot us a message because, hey, maybe you guys can come on and talk about it with us next time. If you guys are interested in finding out a little bit more about where you can find some of the issues mentioned earlier collected, check out After Shang-Chi for a little bit more information. But first up, let's talk about Trial of Magneto number three. Now, we have three very different rooms talking about it from different perspectives. Now, despite this, there were some very common elements to the discussions, so you might even notice that some of these seem a little bit shorter, and that's because we wanted to make sure that there wasn't too much overlap. But suffice to say, this issue led to a lot of discussion online, and there's a good reason why. This is sort of the pivotal apex moment of the miniseries, sort of the high point of the action, you would think, where you kind of should know where everything's going, and we're all still kind of in the dark. Now, myself, I really enjoy the ride, and I'm excited to see where this is going to wind up, but I absolutely do understand some of the pacing concerns, and, you know, I'm here for kaiju, but kaiju, right? So, guys, enjoy this next segment. Hey, and if you guys like what you hear, you might even like what you see, so don't forget to check us out over on Twitter and YouTube at X's for Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to X's for Podcast, the podcast where we cover Marvel's mutants, magic, and more week after week. I'm your host, Jonah, and you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. That's P-E-A-K. And today I have with me Nico. Hey everybody, I'm Nico, and you guys can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, and let me tell you how grateful I am to not be related to the House of Magnus. And with us today, as well, as always, the amazing Kyle. Hey everyone, I'm Kyle, and you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82, that's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. And we hope you survive this experience. Unlike everybody, after these giant kaiju seem to have come out of nowhere and are attacking Krakoa, that must mean we're covering The Trial of Magneto, issue number three, written by Leah Williams, art by Lucas Wernack and David Messina, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton and cowls. So this issue starts off where we see Wanda in more first appearance classic Wanda garb and she's kissing Vision and he's like, wait, what's going on? So Wanda's back, we think. I would love to know your guys' thoughts. Who brought this old Wanda back? They, everybody seems to be under the assumption that Magneto used the Cerebro helmet to bring back this version of Wanda because it's the only backup they have. I am not too to convince, but I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on, is this an old copy of Wanda, and is this what Magneto used the Cerebro helmet for, or is there something else going on? I think for me, I can draw a pretty clear line from 
Leah Williams says, here's your expectations. And then the the other side of that line is something that says, fuck your expectations. And Leah Williams loves to draw those two lines together all the time. And I feel like there's no way it's as simple as Magneto brought her back. I don't know if the island did. I don't know if Black Tom did. I don't know if her kids did by accident. You know, there's a lot of attention on Kyle Northstar's husband. Maybe Kyle Northstar's husband suddenly can talk to the island and is like, bring back that lady. And the island's like, and he's like, thank you. I'm going to go make dinner. And the island's like, aren't you French? And he's like, poutine. And the island's like, ah, I get it. So... (laughs) I think other than that, you know, I just think, I, I don't know, Leah Williams is enchanting me. I'm ensorcelled. I am legitimately up and down ensorcelled by the bravery she's showing in her storytelling. I don't know who brought this Wanda back, but I also don't feel like I'm being given enough clues to get there. And I think that's intentional. The story is more about the tr- the personal trial of Magneto than it is about the legal trial of Magneto. And in that regard, I think Wanda coming back from the dead on Krakoa is secondary to Wanda being revitalized in the Marvel Universe. I'm kind of questioning whether Magneto taking the helmet is tied to this event or if it's actually tied to Inferno. Things just seem really odd, especially when we flash into this other Wanda space where she reveals that a part of her has been torn away. I, I'm i wondering if we're more experiencing chaos magic losing control of everything or, or going out of control because Wanda's no longer there and it's creating all kinds of weirdness in the world. This, this fever dream of kaijus and past Wanda's and other stuff. We actually just recorded Death of Doctor Strange number two just a few minutes ago. And one of the things we talked about extensively was how there is sort of a sense of magic is rewriting things. And the number of parallels between the two books is kind of uncanny. They both feature a character dying as the beginning of the event. Everybody supposedly working to solve their murder, which ultimately has nothing to do with it. They are revitalized as a version of themselves from the 70s with no memory and immediately are thrust back into a romantic relationship that they haven't been in for a number of years. Both books guest star the Avengers and they see the Avengers team teaming up with the people who have suffered the loss, the tragic death, to fight a third party. Now, in the pages of Death of Doctor Strange number two, it was the three mothers who were sort of horrifying nightmare beasts out of, out of the locust vial. But here, we have three giant kaiju instead. And I feel like there are a lot of parallels, uh, kind of like all over with what's going on. And I feel like there's no way that, Kyle, exactly what you said, chaos magic can't be it, like, at least at the huge heart of it. So much about the Marvel Universe's magic has gone haywire in the last six months. If chaos magic isn't responding, we're missing an opportunity to explore a story fully. Absolutely. And uh, there's something that I want to touch on a little bit more that you said, Nico, that I think is really important to not just, you know, the death of Doctor Strange, but also this and where I think eventually the story will be going. The murder of Wanda, while not inconsequential, isn't actually that important to the story. Yes, eventually we'll probably find out who was the one to kill Wanda. That what That's not important. 
It's not the purpose of what's going on. Wanda, like going through her MCU reversion of how popular that's become, I think they're trying to fix the wrongdoings of past writers and teams that they've done to Wanda of using her as a catalyst and weapon as opposed to a character with agency to make her more in line with the character that a lot of people are fans of from the MCU version. I think this is their way of how do we bring Wanda into a world of popularity for people who might want to read her comic appearances where it will make sense. And I don't think, did Magneto kill her? Sure. Who who cares? If he did, he did. He didn't. He didn't. That's not really important. I think it's much more important to think about the rebirth of what Wanda should be as opposed to how we got to this point in the first place. So you want to view this as a catalyst for a better Wanda instead of mourning this as a more as sort of a a dirge on the Wanda that we've seen the last few years. Correct. I am of the mindset this is meant to set Wanda up into the more modern age where she can be her own character with agency and stories as opposed to being the character that causes too many problems. There there was a specific moment that I would love to get your guys' opinions on things in-universe of, I thought the moment between Jean and Rachel restoring this version of Wanda's greatest hits of memories and their conversation about it I actually thought was very very interesting in the psychic ethics of what you do as a psychic of is it right to return all of Wanda's memories this is a basically a blank slate Wanda who really the only thing she seems to remember is that she's in love with Vision but didn't even know that they were married I would love to know your guys' opinions on just this, the ethics of psychics, the ethics of returning people's memories, and what does that mean? Is it morally right to A, return them, B, uh, show just certain versions of what happened, just the, those specific things, or do you, should you return everything, even if this person and these memories might you know, bring about different forms of trauma back? I have concerns. I have, I have concerns because... These aren't her own memories that they are inserting into her mind. These are events that have happened as a result of Wanda. And those are filtered through the eyes of those who were affected by them, not by Wanda's own experience. So it worries me that it's going to result in... Wanda not having the same motivations that she had in um, Empire X-Men, where she was trying to make make things better, even though she kind of screwed things up again. She won't have that same experience to drive herself. You know, I think it's interesting because we're talking about the ethics of psychics, right? And I love that, but I want to make it something maybe a little bit more possible, which not, but still. Speaking of things that are more possible than X-Men, on Desperate Housewives, a character loses their memory, and in the course of them trying to regain their memory, a person uses that as an opportunity to plant false memories with them so it will hurt someone that they've forgot, right? So a third party lies to an amnesiac about their previous life in an effort to hurt people from the amnesiac's previous life. And we can look at that, and we don't even have to have like a discussion about it or a creative, you know, interpretation. 
That is evil. That is wrong. In a matter of speaking, that's kind of what psychics do when they piece things together for you. Now, I don't believe this is the Wanda we're going to be stuck with. No, I I agree with both of your sentiments that in general, it is kind of wrong, even if this is a copy. I don't good not going to say clone copy of somebody that is those aren't those their experiences and yes there is so much history and especially a lot of things that they would need to be caught up on that like one non-vision or divorce they have two children there's a way to go about genocide um oh resurrecting a bunch of zombies you know normal (laughs) stuff having a relationship with hawkeye and dr doom in the same two-year period because nobody was telling each other what they were planning on doing with this poor woman yeah yeah but speaking of oh wanda and dr doom i would love to know if you two have any theories of what's going on with speed and wiccan because this is just curting back into children's crusade and i will never escape that book i read it once and now everything around me i just familiar faces so here's my thing on these adorable little queer mo's i think that leah williams is trying to give a lot of characters agency in a story in which a lot of characters deserve agency and i kind of feel like she needs 20 more pages an issue if not more because while i can definitely get a sense that there is a story brewing with the boys i don't know that it's very clear exactly what's going on yet and that might not as in and it will elucidate itself over time way that might be in a little bit more of a hey we're kind of pressed for page space It definitely feels like they were kind of wedged in here, especially Wiccan. Uh, I I wasn't expecting him to show up because last we knew he was still in space. I mean, but his space book got canceled, so he's got to go find other space things to do. That's true. That is true. But yeah, it was very sudden for him to show up and just be like, oh, that's not mom. It was very, very sudden for me. Now, Jonah, you've been doing a lot of reading classic Young Avengers and part of your read all the Kate Bish sitch. Does this read to you like Billy or are you not getting enough to really make that determination? So the one that's actually a little more concerning is Tommy because in earlier iterations, Tommy is a lot more cold. He's a a little more guarded and not as emotionally available and here he's like immediately running to Wanda and giving her a hug. It is pretty interesting to see in his earlier iterations for him to be a little bit of a hard ass to being this more emotionally vulnerable and granted that could be because of his blossoming relationship with prodigy uh there's also a lot of history between what i'm currently reading into now that could have changed his character in that way of him learning so tommy for me feels like the weirder character billy i'm more surprised billy isn't him inserting himself more into this and i make that it is a slight dig and a little bit of a joke if you've listened to a recent episode about darkhold alpha wanda and billy tend to have this problem that I've noticed where they see a situation and a problem and rush headfirst in without really thinking about it. And they think they can solve everything with their magic and it usually ends up creating a lot more problems and conflicts because they're not listening to the parties that are being affected. So Billy here is also weird because it seems like he and his brother switched personalities a little bit. Yeah, I definitely get that. Thousand percent. 
Um, I hear what you're saying, Kyle, that his appearance here not only is very sudden, but to immediately, like, no, it's not Wanda. I get it. He is a very powerful sorcerer himself, so it would maybe make sense that he would notice that things are off. Very early Wanda's magic signature might read as very different compared to current Wanda. So I think there's a couple of explanations, but there, it's one of the things about this entire series and these past three issues that I've noticed that there are things that I don't know are meant to be red herrings or not but there are things that are seem like they're important we get a little bit of focus on whether it's this or kyle and speed being swallowed by a bunch of vines and then nobody talking about it and nobody seems to that seems to have been dropped question mark but kyle bobier comes up and i'm just using the name so nobody thinks that it's awesome you know our kyle over here but (laughs) Kyle B, North Star's Kyle, is coming up a lot, which I don't mind. Like, it's not a bad thing, but it does feel like for a character who was in those 10 issues of X Factor it and who got a plenty of spotlight there, it almost feels like he's appearing more in three issues of Trial by name than he did in X Factor. Yes, and I, I really get that read. Kyle was much more of a supporting character in X Factor where he was just there and he was shown in his domestic lifestyle with North Star. But here, Kyle's being involved and it's not a problem. You can do that with the character. I, it does make me a little nervous. I don't ever, I do not think this is where it's going, but it would make me very upset if Kyle was later revealed to be a mutant. I do not want that. I would be shocked if they did that. It feels to me very much like he is representative of it's okay to be an ally. Yes, which is why I don't want that to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they also very much stress that he was human, so I... I... Which is why I get nervous, because there's so much much (laughs) attention to Kyle is human. Kyle is a human. He's a human making dinner for us in his human house. Well, I mean, it's not a human house, it's a human house. But you get get the point. Right. I did find probably my favorite sequence from this specific issue were the kaiju fights. The kaiju had really interesting design, and my first thought was, huh, they should call Elsa Bloodstone, she'd be able to help them. And then I thought, no, they should call Kid Kaiju. Kid Kaiju could help them out. <laughs> but I would love to know your guys' read on this new external threat that seems to have come from this version of Wanda's overwhelming, in an overwhelming situation where Tony, can you shut the fuck up for three seconds, where she's literally trying to speak, and he's just us talking over her and talking over what she's trying to express and like i blame tony for this if tony didn't shut up it was able to shut up for three seconds i'm pretty sure the kaiju wouldn't have appeared because it seems like they came because of wanda i would love to know your guys's read on what these kaiju not only represent but how these ac- action sequences fit into this larger narrative which mm, seems like it may or may not benefit from less a little less action in that sense and a little more focus on the story and the narrative I liked it. It was pretty. It was cool. But it felt maybe like, just as you said, we could have used that page time back. Yeah, it was it was a moment of what the fuck am I reading? This is really bizarre. I was not expecting this at all. It's really cool looking, but why is it happening? This is we live very... in a post-Jaborum world. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it does make sense that this... 
I'm going to call it Shard of Wanda lost control and created these these kaiju. And then everybody was just like, oh, just just go stand over there and do nothing. Wanda thinks she is to be Lady Summoner. And she gets into Krakoa Temple and they say, nah, witch, you're going to be the faith. So then Wanda is sealed away in this other place, this other space world. And instead, large monster versions of her appear and begin fighting. <laughs> Should we expect some Blitzball as well? Uh, if, fuck yeah, Wolverine just constantly putting his claws through the Blitzball. There. <laughs> Check shot. Okay. <laughs> You're making a joke, but I do. It would behoove Wanda to be likened to a character that we saw who we haven't seen in a while, the Iraqi Summoner. Yeah. And the Iraqi Summoners had very some similar markings, and they were very well-versed in summoning different things to come to their aid or fight or whatever. And the markings were very intricate. And probably what I would say, this last act of this issue, we see Wanda in this chaos world, and I'm still not ruling out the white hot room as an option though probably it is but it could it could still it could still be there and we see these wheel spokes where those the base it seems like the wheel of fate is turning and wanda is just traveling through this world entirely made up of chaos magic and when she realizes what she is meant to do is to kill this figure that is haunting her and trying to kill her it's actually old lady wanda (laughs) I would love to know your guys' thoughts of this reveal and what this means for Wanda's future and update to her own chaos mythos. I was not... It's a tricky situation because when I saw, you know, the 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 creature in the cape, I was like, "Oh, you know, it's going to be another version of Wanda. This is very reminiscent of when Emma met herself as the creature perfection in regard to unleashing the crash in Astonishing X-Men." So like, you know, there there were parallels there down to the giant flowing white cape thing, but then it's old lady Wanda. And I had just made a really interesting comment on how I'm not crazy about final arcs of things, having old lady or old guy version of characters. Like, don't jump forward, I don't need that. But having it here in sort of a way that kind of doesn't matter, but kind of reminds me of Storm from the Storm and Ileana miniseries. I'm, I'm really- Oh in, like, my this, God. Yeah, I was this, literally thinking that myself of, this is very much Bloodstorm. Not yeah, Bloodstorm. I mean, um, Sorceress Storm. Yeah. Sorceress Storm. Hmm. Yeah, like Storm Witch, Witch Storm. Like this is very, very that, very palpably exciting. It feels like a good story. I was expecting to be disappointed by the introduction of old, like, you know, the introduction of whoever was under that cape. I was expecting to be disappointed. But ultimately, I'm really pleased that it's old lady Wanda being an old lady badass. So kind of in that same regard, but kind of not, a lot of this final arc of this issue was around the uh, turning of the wheel. I'm wondering if what they're leading us to is that all of the Scarlet Witches in the past have actually just been Wanda, and she just keeps coming back when she dies. 
I would but love without that. all of her without all of her memories or something like that. I mean, it would make sense. She's so fractured and so fragmented. It it would track. My biggest concern with this issue is how quickly it feels to me as though the focus of the story is not on Wanda or Magneto. I'm beginning to not worry or anything, but I'm beginning to feel as though the actual star of the story is maybe North Star or maybe even the X-Factor team, which tracks. We always thought this was going to be more X-Factor, but Mm -hmm. I'm not really getting magneto trial vibes after issue one i'm definitely getting a like a ten of swords type of thing where we went in expecting something and it was completely not that and i meant to make that comparison myself earlier great point (laughs) so i i I'm really concerned that we're calling it Trial of Magneto at this point. I get that they're still going to address his confession, but I'm worried where this is going to go. I'm kind of concerned with the timing of this because I feel like this book's events are kind of running into the events of Inferno where they're both like skirting on the reveal of the resurrection protocols. I'm worried that if one of the books reveals it to the world and then the other book reveals it to the world, that it's going to come off as weird. You know, it's, it's so great that you say that because there's, two different ways to do exactly what you're talking about you know kind of like the the double punch of the of the same idea you know when you think back on what inspired new x-men by grant morrison it was sort of the idea that the line had become stagnant and one of the things he sought to do was specifically he wanted to dial back into what made like eve of destruction kind of a, a sticky mess Mm-hmm. really right and so then he kind of had magneto do the same thing he's just going to destroy the world by reversing the polarity of the neutron flow right and at the same time you had joss whedon a few years later have the danger room come to life well cerebro had come to life recently so having danger come to life wasn't that original and then he did the mutant cure well we had already done the mutant cure several times so that felt a little less original and it was just sort of like thing after thing he did felt like they touched back on earlier points when grant morrison purposefully reinvoked things it felt deliberate and intentional and that's what i feel like we think a lot of the imagery they're doing with wanda is it's deliberate and intentional um, invoking of ideas but i feel like some of the comparisons i'm making between this and doctor strange and some of the comparisons you're making between this and inferno are less intentional and in that regard maybe don't sit as attractively I'm also interested to know if you have any theories of where the story is going, because there are a couple of things that I still don't know quite how they fit in. I'm still not quite sure how Mystique fits into this, unless that was meant to be a tie-in to Inferno. The Mystique hiding in the bushes saying this will be interesting. Obviously, Mystique always knows more than she lets on, but what does Mystique have to do with anything? Where are Billy and Tommy taking? Wanda, what happened to Kyle and um, Tommy? There are so many questions that are being unanswered because we're moving to this new beat as opposed to talking a little bit more about the specific trial. 
Yeah, I get what you mean. It's something that we've been talking about a lot throughout the show. Earlier on in the run of X's for Podcasts roundhouse roundtable format, something we had discussed extensively and regularly was just how much we appreciated the consistency of those schedules provided in the back of the book, right? Mm -hmm. And at this point, it sort of feels like everything is just piled on top of one another. It just doesn't feel like anything has room to be a story. Yeah, yeah, it's I I I can't take those lists at the back of the book seriously anymore other than to say, "Oh, this is coming out this week." It's it's not a um it's definitely not a reference on what to read when and everything kind of mushes together. Yeah. And I mean, even if you look at at the lists between books that come out the same week, the order changes. So it's it's uh, for for that specific week's books. So yeah, it's it's not a it's definitely not a reading order. And I I, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell where these stories are supposed to fit. I think I like the meats of what's going on, but the outer crust of the shepherd's pie seems to be not as buttery and flaky as I need it to be. I think the what's going on with Wanda specifically is fascinating, and I love the that a uh, a female writer is getting to do this for Wanda. I'm just not so sure if everything else is going along with what we're trying to get. It feels like maybe this could have been packaged differently, kind of like how nin- if Nintendo Nintendo named the Wii U literally anything else, it probably would have done a lot better commercially. Yep. Wow. <laughs> sorry, Kyle, sorry. That, I... even, that was like the least couched opinion you've ever had. Is, Kyle, wow. I love how how, um, how hard you hit that. And like how okay. important that was to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm bitter that the Wii U flopped. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Access for Podcast, where we talk about Marvel's mutant magic and much, much more. This week, we are here in a room talking about Trial of Magneto, and... Oh, I'm sorry, I should introduce myself. My name is Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at HowdyDuda. That's uh, H-O-W-D-Y-D-U-D-A, HowdyDuda. And oh, with me... Right, I can never... I love how you introduce yourself. It's, like, the best thing ever. And like me, where I'm like, hey, it's Nathan, you can find me online twitter and instagram at desiree away i just like run into the thing you're like cool and like smooth about it i'm like hey <laughs> at least we know everybody's medication level <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like i sighed at the beginning of that but whatever we're gonna keep it <laughs> and i guess it leaves us raven <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sorry i didn't think you had finished your name dazzler aoa <laughs> hi it's raven aka team red vento come over and find me on twitter tiktok i don't know all over the place who knows at this point this is good we're doing it we're doing a very chill session today just hanging oh, yeah. out sunday morning getting 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 up so today we're here to talk about Trial of Magneto number three, Schrodinger's Corpse. The name of this issue. Um, <laughs> what I so true. Speak on that. Whoever <laughs> <laughs> wants to go first, I would love to hear your thoughts about the the corpse that is and is not alive, depending on whether you're observing it. Let tell me about it. Well, I I don't think it's a corpse per se because, as Vision said, you know, just just got done hearing about my 
my ex-wife getting kind of <laughs> fridged over here like and now there's you like what the hell's going on and she didn't even know that she had been married to him at some point so yeah, yeah. okay the, do, the era. <laughs> do you think that's her being surprised to find that she was married to him or do you think that it was her being surprised to find that he was married to somebody after her i i think i don't know i took it more as the w- wife what, what what are you talking about who what huh yeah that look on her face yeah. is extremely priceless huh yeah oh it is it so is really but yeah well, <laughs> faces. it had that feel of she didn't quite understand what time it was but it you know like the way she just you know cuddled up to him i'm like that is very avengers of old mm-hmm. yes absolutely it's so incredibly it's, it's very much the avengers i grew up with uh even though this vision looks very little like that one yeah like one is a complicated character yeah <laughs> so, like in one respect i absolutely love the character throughout the years of the avengers in the krakoan era like and after house of m like marvel did a, a real hit job on the character and made it even more confusing when they tried to retcon it it's so really hard like, to be a wanda stand these days it is it is like i love wanda but at the same time i'm like uh you know like she did like perform genocide on a race of people it's a really delicate balance when you love the character and you can see how the thing happened and and i under like i kind of get how gene gray fans from you know the 80s had to have been when gene gray came back and they're like oh my god i love gene she's so great but then you're like oh wait but she like ate all the broccoli people and she didn't even put cheese sauce on them so like <laughs> like how how do you rectify that and maybe that's what this book is trying to do but the idea of this wanda coming back probably having to be cuz i'm i'm assuming her and vision are married and one of the memories they gave her was before the West Coast Avengers era. So I'm assuming maybe it's got to be before Vision and Scarlet Witch because she doesn't know about her kids. So mm-hmm. it's got to be very early for us years for Wanda. Well, if um, she doesn't, if she, do, I, I just want to point out that if she doesn't know about her kids, it could also be just prior to Avengers Disassembled. Mm. Oh, it could. It could yeah. very much could be. Yes, you're right. Which, because that's right. Just because right it was before white. Bendis broke the character forever. <laughs> <sighs> So yeah, with with that, like it's so it's so hard to juggle what version of Wanda this is. I want more, and maybe this isn't the way I thought that she was gonna come back because of the way that she had been her thought process that we've seen during issue one and two. So I'm, I'm very interested in this. Confusion is rampant on the internet. Talking to friends uh, in this issue, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of juggling going on here, and I don't know how comprehensible it makes this issue. I'm definitely I'm doing my best to kind of play along for now. It's a series that's about a, it's although it's a, ostensibly the trial of Magneto. I no longer believe that's what it's about. It is clearly <laughs> about no. This, no. it is clearly about this rehabilitation or attempted rehabilitation of the character of Wanda, this chaos magic practitioner. So I understand that a lot of it is going to be confusing and i'm not going to get it at first but i feel like as as a monthly comic and as a comic that comes out in chapters each month this as a whole this book number three uh, it doesn't work for me it doesn't it's not a cohesive thank story. you if I pick this up i might not get the next issue if i didn't know that this was a mini series that was going to be unfolding it just it's it's broken up super weirdly it's it's kind of a mess uh there's a lot going on and like i'm I'm still I'm still along for the story and I'm mm-hmm. sure that it'll make more sense but it might it might read better in trade is what I'm starting to feel. Yeah, cuz it felt like three very separate stories that weren't necessarily taking
taking place at the same time, but somehow they all ended up in the same book without yeah. <laughs> any link to each other, honestly. And it's just like, I'm, I'm trying to stay along for the ride, but there, how do I put it? There was a lot of beautiful art, but not a lot of development. Yeah, and, and there's a, I don't know. And like, it's book three. It is book three. People, people have brought up that a lot of the characters sometimes feel like they're maybe out of character or out of voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I think out of voice is maybe the best way to put it sometimes, which I've been understanding because like, you know, some of this seems like it's, there's a mystery, there's a greater mystery going on here and some people are acting out of maybe character because they're hiding things or because they're acting apart and because there's magic going on. But Wanda calling Magneto daddy in this oh, issue really right? threw me off. I was like, Dad. how old is this Wanda? Like, is this it's... any Wanda that I've known? I, I don't know a Wanda that would have I... preferred to be daddy. There are bright spots for me. Uh, definitely, Lucas Wernick is always a pleasure, but I... I was not too keen on what I think was David Messina's work in this issue without being too impolite. I, I was actually extremely jarred by the way that suddenly Wanda became Elizabeth Olsen on the page. Exactly. Mm. Some people have pointed out that Jean becomes Famke Janssen and that's a little bit... <laughs> a little bit more fine for me but like i i think that personally i would not like wanda to be played by elizabeth olsen in the comics going mm -hmm. forward especially considering mm -hmm. the continuing erasure of her romani heritage by the movies and the comics yes oh I don't my want to god and i, I thought i was the only one having that problem i was like what what are we doing to this character because this this character has you know really deep rich roots and and her background her heritage who she is as a person just keeps getting erased and i'm sorry but we're not in an era for that. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I want this Wanda to stick around. Although we do see, I, I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because this issue, True. this issue jumps around and it gets ahead of itself. But mm. if you, if you don't mind, I'd like to skip to the end a little bit and oh, just yeah. point out that, like, I want to talk about the fact that Wanda. We're not necessarily getting an older version of Wanda like we are mm. in practice, but Wanda in in the White Hot Room or in the above realm where the Mysterium resides uh, in the afterlife seeming place Wanda does talk about how she feels like she's lost uh, memories and parts mm -hmm. of her soul like similar to maybe what Strange did cutting off a week of his soul to go to the future and death of Doctor Strange but mm -hmm. she does seem to feel like she's lost time and that I think that I think this holds a lot of interesting metaphysical repercussions for Krakoan resurrection the kind of thing that we were hoping to get from Williams in uh, X Factor mm -hmm. and that unfortunately we were not able to get Williams was not able to write understandably because of what happened and you know there's all there's all sorts of reasons why that story didn't get told just in that series but in this series it does seem like some of that is getting picked up because i've always wondered what happens when a mutant dies with respect to the afterlife is their soul just piling up there a bunch of copies of souls or when they die is their soul going to the afterlife and when they're resurrected are the, those parts of their soul that are resurrected returned and we know that onslaught is eating psychic memories this kind of implies that I, onslaught was eating remnants of their actual soul like their afterlife soul how different that is from your mind, I, I don't know. What did you all think of this strange mystical realm that we're seeing continuously uh, and the reveal of who killed Wanda, or seemingly who killed Wanda? I, I mean, the realm looks beautiful, but it feels very disconnected from everything else that's happening. Yeah. Like, you don't see any, like, you don't see the characters who are going to show up there being pulled there. They're just, oh, I'm there. It's like, you gotta give me a little pull from one reality into the next. 
just blinking in and out of these exceedingly uh, magical spaces just doesn't make sense. Because, I mean, it's chaos magic. She should walk through, like, a doorway, like, just a regular-ass doorway at some point and just be like, where the hell am I? Like, you know, <laughs> I want to see something that shows me the transition or else I can just easily mistake it as, oh, she's thinking of all of this in her head. You think not- of this as, like, a little too much chaos to like, be readable? Well, it's, it's not even too much chaos. It just, it needs a transition from one point to the next or else it could just be, okay, is she having a mental breakdown again? Is she having, uh, you know, a, a, a bad snap because all of her memories aren't there because somebody's eating them or like, you know, like, you gotta give me something to give me a little direction. If not, it just doesn't seem to like really meld. Like, again, this is why it has that three stories that happen to show up in the same book kind of feel. Yeah. Because there doesn't seem to be a transition between. We've kind of danced around it, but I think we have to get to it. The ki- the kaiju. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not a person who dislikes seeing Daikaiju on a page or on the screen. I-, I love Godzilla movies. I enjoyed a lot of Sentai style stuff when I was a child. You know, that was what was on TV on Saturday mornings. But like, why is it here? I don't know. I'm sure there's an explanation, but like my my real question is what is the motivation why exactly did, why did the writer why did the artists why did the editors want why did they think that this this trial of magneto that has still not happened right uh, three issues in <laughs> to a five issue miniseries this death and rebirth of wanda that we're still hungering for answers for like the kaiju seemed like such a throw in stuff at the wall thing i don't yes, know i don't want to yeah. criticize i'm not i'm not a writer of any degree but i'm just i'm well, super but i'm a reader so how, how did you feel about this okay so it very much similar along the lines of what you were saying steve like so okay so sometimes you have a really great beginning to a story and like you've got a really great wrap-up for the story and sometimes you're going and you're like, uh, how do I progress this to my ending? Like, I know how I want it to start and I know how I want it to end. This is what this issue felt like. And the fact that everybody's just like, oh, they're just kaiju. Like, like, are they or are they like, are they like mystical creatures invading from the chaos magic dimension? Like, I think probably you're right about that, honestly, because they remind me of that spider that Wanda stole an eye from in Empire <laughs> X-Men, which I oh, just reread. Yeah. Um, that's some fun Wanda stuff. It Not is. great for her, but you know. No. <laughs> but yeah, they do look like the kind of like, I don't know, chaos kings that we've seen show up in those kind of worlds. So like, I mean, I, I'm sure it could be related. I, I hope it is. I'm sure it is, right? Like I'm giving yeah. you know credit to the writer. They're not amateurs here at all. Right. Um, they're experts actually. And I just, this this issue from the start to the beginning or the start to the end, where, where it started, where it ended, what happened in the middle, to me felt like, I don't know, not a story, you know? Like yeah. I, I spent most of it questioning and confused. There are some really good character moments, and there's some great art balanced by some art that I was not as happy with, and some characterizations that I was just left like kind of baffled by. Yeah, I mean, even if they had put like a power signature around the kaiju, because I mean, Wanda is kind of distressed at the moment they start to show up because everybody's talking over her. You know, Tony as usual, but Cap seemed really out of out of character because he kept talking over Wanda as well instead of waiting for an answer but yeah they're like all talking over her and then suddenly we have kaiju but i'm like <laughs> you didn't even put like there's no like energy signature so you couldn't say that 
it it's a mystical source or if it's a just a you know a like a source of from a tumor that's like on Krakoa or near Krakoa or under Krakoa or whatever so yeah just like uh, why like I'm, tr- I'm trying I'm trying to have faith in the process I really really am but as a reader I need some sort of rhyme and reason to follow even with chaos magic like give me a minor power signature or or even a little bit of color of the magic that somebody would normally use that would make me go oh there's magic afoot and okay this makes sense maybe it's wanda's magic maybe it's somebody else's magic maybe maybe something's going on and instead it's just uh, we have kaiju and everybody's like oh okay let's take care i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry when's the last time y'all faced off against a a nearly island size source of of kaiju like honestly (laughs) yeah what's going on it's it's a lot and there's a lot happening and i absolutely believe that there's a reason these are here i'm sure that there will be some explanation for why this is happening at this time the book i will be frank it's not what i expected and i know that normally that is on the fault of the reader so i'm going to say that is that is my fault but i definitely expected a little bit more of uh i mean i expected a trial so i am i was looking forward to a lot of like good character moments and interactions not necessarily a lot of talking heads but i guess i wasn't prepared for three large-scale superhero fights in a row but with not much moving of the story forward at all um it it feels like the actual narrative uh the narrative of wanda's resurrection the narrative of magneto's trial whatever Mm -hmm. that may be if that even happens is it feels like it's creeping along you know we're not Mm -hmm. getting much out of wanda um wanda doesn't feel like she's leading her own story a lot of the time and it it does feel like there's so much in here that i'm confused about and i'm sure it'll make better sense in the trade as it was this yeah i don't why am i being so negative i'm being so negative today you're not it's okay no you're, it's, you're pointing something yeah. out. <laughs> trust, trust me. I could do a very negative version of, of things, which is just blunt and visceral. But like, no, like it's this is honestly this is not like the worst thing I've ever seen. This is not a horrible. We're just the title promises yeah, one this thing. Bad. Yeah. It's frustrating, right? Yeah, it's like the title promises one thing: the trial of Magneto. And for three issues now, it seems like we haven't actually addressed that at all. I mean, we've got speedsters coming in and throwing punches at Magneto, and that's about as closest to a trial as he's getting so far. It's just being Try beaten about the head and face. People have mentioned that like the, the title of this is probably down to editorial mandate and was not necessarily what Leah Williams might have chosen for the title at the time. Uh, that being said, if this is actually a book about Wanda, then I think that there's just a lot that is taking away from that story getting told and that characterization mm-hmm. coming across mm-hmm. as concrete and solid in the way that like Leah, Nar- Leah-, Leah Williams nailed Polaris so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I, would, mm-hmm. I would love to see that kind of work with Wanda, and I'm hoping that we get to see more of that going forward. So there's something yeah. about this story that bothers me because it's been done in a way before so Mm -hmm. when wanda is resurrected and she doesn't have any of her modern memories so the way that gene and rachel telepathically input memory so oh my god but but you have to think about it they don't have wanda's memories they Mm -hmm. have people's viewpoints of the events yes other people's memories this is the donna troy in dc comics has suffered a really long and really unfortunate 
ultimate set of origins. At one point, Sorry. Donna Troy was had to be remade. So they mm. remade Donna Troy from Wally West's memory. What? This, yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, he was the that's only one I could remember. Yes. Wally West? Oh, yes. man. That's real like, bad. Not even Dick Grayson, like, but like <laughs> but like it is this wally west was still the flash at the time so like this this been a while okay but, oops. at least he's an adult by now right <laughs> so it's it, it, oh, right so this reminds me of that it's something i don't expect from leah like i would expect mm-hmm. leah to write and, and i'm sure in the end the wanda that's in the chaos magic realm is gonna have to come back and, and wanda will be able to reclaim her identity and her memories and her right but like the idea that a, a woman is remade through the uh, other people's memories of her is is mm-hmm. tiring it's kind of misogynistic it's mm-hmm. I, I just it, that part does not gel well with me yeah especially when they're like oh we're just gonna play the greatest hit so like what are important memories to wanda oh like definitely how do not you... these ones why yeah. they give her like these the, the most traumatic hit. ones these are the, the worst trauma. hits of her memories yeah. <laughs> and, and she seems to be okay with it i oh every one of those up. women's is super bad right yeah. and, like like building on what she said it feels like she's super naive and childlike not she's a master not. of chaos magic like she's rarely ever been naive like that's yeah. that's not wanda wanda's always wanda may have at times been self like lacked self-confidence because of right. her abilities and you know just the general things of her life mm-hmm. but and, and maybe out of touch with reality because she could make reality she can make her own reality so she didn't have to care about the actual concerns of what real people would have to think about but she's never been naive she's never been like innocent unless you want to count back like way back in the yeah. days of like the yeah. quirky Avengers. yeah quirky quartet where like Pietro had to protect her for everything besides mm-hmm. that era of Wanda like she's grown so much as a character and to see her to be devolved back to that place <sighs> is yeah. I put a lot of trust in Leah Williams to tell a story about a woman who has her own agency you know like because obviously that's she's she's not some straight man writing the story but i i do know that like you know leah williams has in the past written a number of stories that show male characters being exceptionally harsh to the female leads it always tells a story and it always tells an important story i think about misogyny and how it it should it would be present in this world as well as in our own but it can often, before the story is done, come off as extremely harsh. And I think we're seeing some of that here. You know, Wanda's always been treated misogynistically by male writers in the past, very notably since, you know, the year 2000, but absolutely before then, of course. And so I, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of faith in the characterization of Wanda here to to be figured out by the end of the series. Uh, I, I definitely think that there's a little bit of a little bit of a deception going on here in terms of you know the way that this this younger Wanda is being written. She's not being written by a by a straight man and honestly that it's that's what it feels like she's being written like right now it feels like this story is being written by a man and it's just a rehash of the old quote-unquote great hits which were all of the worst moments and parts of scarlet witch yeah i can get that i can get that but like i want to trust the process but at the same point in time i can only trust it as far as what i see in front of my face (laughs) you keep keep saying trust the process 
and I, frankly, that makes me like not want to trust it because of the context that's often used in politically is such bullshit. Oh my <laughs> God, yeah, we right? say trust the process of our right? like, no, we shouldn't trust the process. Exactly, <laughs> and, that, process. and that's no. that's the problem. It's like I'm trying, I'm really, really trying here, but I don't because what's in front of my face is screaming at me that you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I trust Leah as a writer to allow Wanda to reclaim her agency. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, Same. I just don't like this plot point. It feels very it feels very like 70s like mm-hmm. macho male like area era Marvel. Like I just it's like ugh. Like it's like giving me the like oh she's got too much power. She's gonna go crazy and destroy right? a planet vibe kind of thing. I do like the Janet Van Dyne punching a freaking kaiju and then Sink helping. Yeah, Sink yeah. is getting so much cool stuff to do in this era and you know punching a kaiju with the uh, giant woman that's cool. yeah. anytime anybody remembers jan van dyne exists now because like they're like haha wasp what are you the fuck are you talking about and i'm like wasp she's like the best avenger she's like eh, she's yeah she's okay yeah so she's she's kind of one of those questionable people who does questionable things but like i'm still like okay i kind of i love her overall i don't know why one of the greatest about, avengers like, leaders absolutely oh my gosh in and in the uncanny run like uncanny avengers when she was like second in command to rogue she was such a great second in command and she was like mm-hmm. just like so amazingly building up rogue as a strong leader and really made rogue one of the best field leaders of the avengers especially during no surrender i was like this character is amazing like because she checked her ego at the door to help elevate another leader yeah that's most of my favorite most of my favorite eras of the avengers have wasp as leader Mm-hmm. You know, Cap has been a leader more and more often, but uh, Wasp is, for my money, my favorite leader of the Avengers that there's been. I would love to give that to T'Challa, but, like, Aaron's run just has not been doing it for me the way it should. It's it's fun, it, but I don't get that same sense of, like, I, I like I like Aaron's run. I'm a quirky person. I really like, I like the quirky Avengers. Like, and anytime you bring Jan back into the team, it really brings me to that sort of, that sort of era, just because she's so strongly connected to it. As much as I hate him right now if you bring hank back into the avengers i might actually like him again because avengers hank is always a different character than mm, yeah true i'm okay with hank staying dead as hell i don't know if he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> like don't get me wrong i was a big hank fan growing up like before mm. i had read all the worst things he's done you know but he's always been like an unstable character and i always felt it was cool to see a hero who had I- identity issues and had like you know uh, emotional problems and, and and he was one of the founding avengers i always thought that was cool oh, him yeah but, i was talking about Boy, but like, like i'm sorry oh. <laughs> what? i was like i thought he was talking about beast too and then he's like oh yeah no way no. that's right him <laughs> was a thing i was like oh god i forgot yeah, that was no. him. but like you know he's also an awful like sexist misogynist man and oh, it oh, comes yeah. out in him at the worst times and it's if you ask me it's why ultron really exists is that you know that's yeah. that's who hank is deep down yeah oh, I, I, don't, I don't need him back <laughs> i was i was willing to give him a shot after the, the first incident that happened because he seemed to have tried to do the work tried to become a better person but then he just kept showing that he's still that jackass Hank Pym like oh yeah. like around Avengers Disassembled that really like yes. was the final nail for me like I like Yellow Jacket I, I read Avengers Forever as one of my first comics and it was like you know, a huge thing but like Avengers Disassembled Hank is just the pits mm-hmm. I'm sorry we were actually talking about the trial <laughs> of Mike Joe. what would you like to see um, in the last two issues of the series to kind of like focus oh there's there's only two issues left i believe so there's only two right Uh, am i wrong about that i do not know how they're gonna tie that up then because 
Okay, everybody else can give their opinion first. I'll, I'll bring up the rear. <laughs> Nate, you go ahead. <laughs> All right. So what I would like to see and what I need to see and I need Leah to do, she's got to give Wanda her agency back because this issue really took it away. Like extremely. I need I need I would love to see Wanda come back as a fully realized and complex person who is not just, you know, the kick ass superhero that she is at time and is not just the like hey i'm a total mess that some writers like to write her as like i'd Mm -hmm. like to see her walking the line between both of those because that's kind of like what we all do and i really would like to see a hero have to grapple with that realistically and not like in a horrible misogynistic way and i trust Mm -hmm. leah to do that i just gotta see it get there cool yeah um that'd be great i i do think that we're going to get some of that from uh from leah williams Uh, i would be incredibly surprised if we didn't but you know um, I think that would be a nice tie-up. Raven? Oh, I love that you have so much faith, but it's been three issues and we honestly haven't gotten that far in 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 progression. We just keep getting more what seem to be like, you know, storylines or, or story events from random places being thrown at us, but none of them seem to actually be a trial for Magneto. I think so, we might have to give up on that one. <laughs> yeah, like, unless this is literally all in his head and they are trying to, like, literally put him through paces and keep him so off balance that, you know, they're they're rooting for the truth while giving him a whole lot of things to be worried about in his own mind so they can bypass all of his training, which just seems so convoluted when it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> that just, yeah, I'm just, I'm like, I, I, want, I want this to go well, but you only have two issues left in order to somehow make a cohesive storyline out of it and i don't see that happening it seems like a herculean task at this point to make all of this like make sense you know i still think it's possible that it will i've seen smaller series do that kind of thing especially when they've been rushed Mm. i like the first issue of the series a lot and i think that i can probably expect to really like the last issue of the series i just am not sure if everything is going to be tied up as neatly in it as it can be throughout the course of the next one issue And welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm your co-host Arturo, and today we're looking at Trial of Magneto number three. Uh, the Scarlet Witch has been killed. Magneto has confessed to her murder, uh, which is all more complicated when Wanda herself shows up, missing a whole bunch of memories, and all of that action is interrupted by a Grakoan Kaiju Monster Mash Beach Party. So let's get into it. Today I've got joining me Drew and Josh. Introduce yourself, guys. Hey guys, I'm Drew. You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Drewsifer3. That's at D-R-E-W-S-I-P-H-E-R-3. And I'm Josh Wheel. You can find me on Twitter at Asleep at the Wheel, W-E-I-L, and at AsleepAtTheWheel.com. And for the next 12 months, as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in Florida, you can find me across social media at Wheel, the number four U.S. Senate, and at JoshWheel.org. And I'm Arturo. You can find me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. All right, let's get into it, you guys. How did the trial of Magneto catch you guys? What were your... 
Yeah, this issue... From where we were at the end of issue two, right, to where we are at the end of issue three, like, essentially, the story has moved forward where they were talking about it outside, and now I think they're talking about it inside. Like, I think literally the only thing that happens in this book, I want to say, is that they went from being confused outside to being confused inside. Like, not a damn thing dealing with Wanda or the trial or anything really happened. There was... The art was super disappointing and a little confusing i had to really scroll around like the designs on the avengers characters felt so old and some of it was because like the art was clearly rushed and so that this simple kind of less detailed style on some of the characters has a a strong 80s feel to it which when we're talking about like a wanda who doesn't remember shit from the last 20 30 years and then the avengers are drawn in a basic style that feels like 20 30 years ago like i had to stop and go back in the issue because i was like wait a minute are these flashbacks are we not on krakoa anymore because iron man looks like he's straight out of the 80s wanda's the only person that's not commenting on green uh, on jean's green dress because that's that's exactly how she remembered it yeah it's The end, and it, it's really just this rush. And then when you realize, oh, we're in the same place as last week, but the art just isn't as, or last month, but the art just isn't as good as last month. Yeah, it, it was it was disappointing from an artist I really love. Like, and we're talking about one of my favorite writers in comics here in Leah Williams. And preparing for this issue, I, I like I have, a, I think, a pretty bold statement to say about like, out of every Leah Williams comic I have ever read, I'm talking anything she has written for the X lines, for Gwenpool, um, her one shots. I think that this is like if I had to rank them all, this would just go at the bottom. Like it's not this offensively issue? bad. Are you saying this but issue I mean, or this, this issue? Okay, yeah. This issue, Trial of Magneto number three, is the least impressed or satisfied I have ever been at the end of a Leah Williams comic. Wow. It did nothing for me. Sorry to hear that. How about you, Drew? Yeah, I would uh, pretty much agree with everything that Josh said. Up to now, this event could basically, it should have been an oversized one shot so far, I think. I think that's, Um, yeah. It would have probably worked better that way. Um, It would have worked out better also in terms of timing and shipping mm -hmm. and delay of that shit because and like, just like confusion with inferno happening yes, and stuff it would have yeah like if mm-hmm. this had i i love the idea of this being a giant size like super you know super issue that that would have been cool well, and well, quick look at and this more what we've had so far so we've had three out of five issues right the third issue doesn't move the story forward at all which means that you could have done this in part a part b two double-sized issues and both of them would have you would have completed this entire story before in the week before inferno number one came out yeah i i, I think that would have made a lot more sense in terms of timing because the other part about this that's that's just feels weird is that in the larger continuity we already know we already know Magneto gets through the trial we know he's not leaving the council like we're already kind of like ahead of this story I too found the art a little bit distracting I it was a, it was hit or miss because there are some pages and some panels that are, that are great that are beautiful then there's some that look 
like they were. I would venture to guess hours. that that's the split. Like as I'm looking through the book now, like the colors and the details on characters when we're seeing Wanda reunited with her sons right. are much more lush and detailed. Like the Jean and Rachel scene is drawn in a way like this is what we expected from yeah. uh, Vernick in this book. The Avengers stuff is what not only feels like less detailed and has that kind of older art feel to it, but also when you look at the lettering, the lettering is so intense and intrusive, which I mean, when we're talking about being over the weaker art in the issue is is interesting. And this is Clayton Cowles, who I think we had a conversation on here, like for in my opinion, we're talking, you know, the top letterer in the business or arguably one of them right like in a way to kind of like spice it up or give it give it i think some kind of yeah some kind of in the way to spice it up as in like someone messed up dinner and you're going in there and just throwing a shit ton of seasoning on top to salvage it exactly that's a really good analogy yeah the yeah the kaiju kind of killed me in this and it also felt kind of like okay if this had been, you know, back in like the storyboarding and, and putting it all together, if there had been, oh, this is too text heavy, we have way too much dialogue, way too much talking, let's interject with some, you know, giant monsters on the beach. Okay, like we need some action, but like that's not the case. Like, like you guys are saying, literally nothing is really happening as far as the conversations are going. The trial is, you know, been put on hold. And and not only not only that, but for me, the kaiju is part, it just seemed like so, like, like I get that you need, an, like the, they wanted action, like an action sequence but for me like just having like kaijus and and that kind of scene it's just random like well, it, it didn't fit with the story if giant yeah. random monster never foreshadowed no development yeah. on it completely unexpected yeah but all okay and, wait but we know that we've got we do have like monsters kind of or we did anyways well, we still have like a little chunk of of Araco here right the little piece of the island or not and i mean i guess they did look into it in that issue of x-force when they go like underwater yeah like and like it's wanda so just like throw in a big heaping tablespoon of chaos magic and like anything's happening like anything's possible so i'm not too pressed about where they came from and i think that's going to be the reveal like oh wanda inadvertently you know roused these creatures from the deep or whatever. how many stories though how many stories including x-men empire do the summaries begin wanda inadvertently dot 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 yeah truly and and the thing with wanda is like she's this character that has been just underserved and not even underserved because I, I I see characters that are like more kind of neglected as underserved. Wanda's been like actively damaged by writers and mostly male writers in the past. And I think we all kind of went into this with this hope of like maybe Leah's going to recontextualize Wanda. Maybe this is how we're going to fix Wanda. Maybe this is how, you know, we go from Wanda, the, the evil pretender that is, you know, that the kid are, are scared for about her around the the campfires of Krakoa to like Wanda the the mutant who is now you know part of and, and I don't know if that's where this will all end I think it will but it's just I was hoping to see more of Wanda in a way like I was hoping to see her kind of express herself this was just one this is like the amnesia episode right like she's well, like huh who yeah. what we're, I as feel we're laying on the tropes yeah I feel like that was the point of the issue though for me like Wanda's always been a character where, where like that is her character um to me is that she's all like she can't really control this chaos magic she, like if she's a mutant she can't control her powers and like since she's not an x-men people are just like 
like they're not really helping her and it's and it's like like even in this issue she's trying to talk and she's trying to say anything and it's people and you just have the avengers are like like talking over her and that and even like and i know we hate to discuss the like avengers versus x-men like in the beginning they just like dismiss her and stuff so to me she's just been like she yeah she is super powerful but she is like dismissed and they always like overlook her even though they know that she's this powerful and it's interesting because you know we have this book written by leah williams who if we're talking about writers who are fantastic at giving agency to these you know female characters who've been underserved like leah williams is at the top of the list and yet through three issues here wanda is like not a sexy lamp but wanda is a piece of furniture in this story like wanda is an accessory that everyone else is you know working around or talking about and not talking to and sadly like i didn't come into this expecting a lot i kind of once we got all the revelations and all the things that oh yeah like wanda's not dead or wanda's coming back or whatever like once all of that got spilled before we even opened issue one it was like okay but you know at least we'll get a lot of good like i was hoping for good magneto like i wanted a lot of good like magneto and i thought we'd get a lot of good mystique leading into inferno instead we've gotten just one panel of mystique grinning at the beginning we've gotten weird lapses like there was next to no magneto in here just north star randomly punching him again like like a feel which we basically already did it was just like a recap of or a re-up of quicksilver running in and punching him you know an issue or two ago speaking of and, quicksilver where is he like and where if i like, go quicksilver, he was there you think he was chilling with north star they had a really cool bonding moment you think that he would be like an important set piece right the trial of magneto to me was like okay this is going to be about the house of m we're going to talk about and, magneto and you know who Wanda should be and... one of the most important characters in this especially if this is being written by leah williams and this is like you know the x factor prologue or chapter two is Lorna. Yeah. Like Lorna and Pietro should be like the emotional centerpieces of this. And we got a huge X-Men versus Kaiju battle and we focused on Sync. We wouldn't even we're barely even seeing Lorna. Like Lorna said, move him to the boneyard so she could destroy their house to tie down a kaiju for like 30 seconds. Like And Lorna was like heavily featured in the first two issues, and then to to now not have her is just like when you read the trade, that'll just be like, what? Like, yeah. Once the monsters are are attacking and everybody's like okay we're gonna go take care of it uh north star is running point he's the one that's organizing people scott's deferring to him wanda it's better that you just stay here and wanda's children take her by the hand and say you need to come with us and she says but why just trust us and that's the last we see of the three of them we go to the beach we have this huge you know brawl with the kaiju and then next we know we're spinning the wheel and we're in wanda's like chaos magic subconscious perhaps i don't know the... i do like in the kaiju fight nothing about the kaiju fight i love that we just get a random panel where the avengers are impressed with eye boy trevor gets some trevor gets some respect from vision and cap like yeah cap's like you stay, that made stay me near me happy. stay near me yeah i i, I am ha- that's you know what silver linings i am really happy to see the some of the x-factor investigations team still getting some some love yeah. from lee yeah so our main our main takeaway from this is what one Wanda's been resurrected, right? And with an old backup. Like, we don't know by who or why or how or what. 
don't know like is wanda's soul in the white hot room or where is she where oh well i guess we should get to the the final page where we find out that the mysterious figure shrouded in white that we were saying maybe it's exodus maybe it's wanda herself maybe it's emma frost i turns out it is old woman old lady wanda not old woman see and i i i really didn't like i have no problem with the art on that page i don't like the reveal in essentially like the lettering at the bottom of the page that says old lady wanda because when i first saw it you know i think back to the the really i'm gonna say some words that i don't often put together the really good james robinson series um of scarlet witch that just had beautiful art and dealt kind of into the legacy of the scarlet witch that like her mother was the scarlet witch before her and her kind of meeting her in a magical place like this like part of me wanted to be like is this like an ancestral scarlet witch or you know also you know i immediately had the music in my head like is it agatha all along like um because we know we know marvel comics love uh going back and tying into shit that got popular in the movie oh and we see that in the art that i wanted to call that out real quick like and i know it's not to some people's taste some people say seeing this as like wanda erasure how she does look a lot like elizabeth olsen now in this issue anyways like her face definitely And some of this is, I, I don't know if that's a Marvel dictate or just artists using references. We see this a lot in Rod Reyes, the way he draws Rain, who clearly looks like Maisie Williams from the New Mutants movie. Like, whether it's just, you know, visual reference of the actor. I mean, obviously, uh, when Bendis took over Guardians of the Galaxy, like, that was clearly like, hey, everyone, Star-Lord looks like Chris Pratt now. I don't hate when that happens. Like even even going back to uh Morrison's X-Men, like the the black leather costumes, that was, you know, that that was an echo from the movies. So it happens. It happens. Like and and I think that may make sense. I think it's you know, from a marketing perspective or or whatever, it, it makes sense. Uh I mean, as I read vision in these comics. Paul Bettany's voice is like the voice I hear now, you know, just like I still hear some of the 90s X-Men voices. So, I mean, this stuff is all tangled together in our brain space. When Wanda called Magneto daddy, she goes, daddy, what's going on? And he goes, oh, Wanda. I absolutely heard that in Ian McKellen's voice. Oh, Wanda. From WandaVision, where the Scarlet Witch becomes more of like a a title or like a station, Mm -hmm. and Wanda becomes the Scarlet Witch rather than it just being a code name. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's that's kind of cool, and maybe that is what this is a call to. This this old lady Wanda is kind of to Mm -hmm. me. It felt more like I don't want to say time displaced, but I want to say kind of kind of like when you're in the white hot room, like we've seen. It's kind of you you can run into past versions of yourself, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's not not Mm -hmm. so much a future. as much as it is who she will become and who she has always been i I don't know really how to articulate it one thing i do want to say though a little call out here the page where and you know x twitter god bless x twitter but pointing out the logical inconsistencies and uh you know i know that we're playing fast and loose with science and logic here in comic books but how marvel girl and rachel how gene and rachel are able to give wanda her 
memories back without having the cerebral backup a and b those aren't really wanda's memories they're kind of giving her they're filling in the gaps of like here's all that here's what you missed right but it's not really from wanda's perspective i think by default it's their own kind of perceptions of things right so i got that as i got that as that so she's already been backed up and what they're doing is they're just filling in the missing pieces of what from from like their perspective yeah like you said and everyone else's perspective so that she is caught up with what happened from when she is dead to now they definitely played fast and loose with this the fact that this was the best art page of the issue the fact that artistically not only did we have two left panels that were beautifully done in great detail but also a string of original art, not redraws, but what I am fairly confident is original art from past Marvel issues in that that beautiful abstract nonlinear paneling. To me, like I loved that page. Very reminiscent of that Jean Grey. Well, and that's um, what I was going to say. Yes, this was this is like mm-hmm. a poor imitation of that. The delivery of that allowed me to kind of just take because like it gave me this beautiful page. I enjoyed the page. I agree with Drew that this is this was very reminiscent of that Jean Grey iconic two page spread. I mean, it was good, but it it felt like this this could have been like the centerpiece art of the page or or of the whole issue. It could have been a two pager. And I want to see more of those like shards and memories. I want to see old art, old panels from all sorts of different eras from like her brotherhood days from this that like this to me just felt a little like okay and then in her little best hits reel like okay i recognize the iconic you know when she cut her hair really short and went a little evil there i don't recognize the second one where she's like loading that feels a little avengers yeah some of them are definitely not really the greatest hits like if we're talking six tracks off the greatest hits of Wanda Maximoff. What like, is the one that's like, it looks like a yellow rock coming out of water. I was like, I don't know what that is. No more mutants, of course. We know what that is. And then there's this like wheel in the sand. I, I had, are those the kaiju coming? You know what? I think those are the kaiju waking up in between her best hits. Maybe? I don't know. I think you're right. Now, yes, like, I think you're right. And then it's the bottom is the bottom panel is like the rumble of them. Like, Yeah, I, I I think okay that makes more sense especially if gene and rachel are doing this like one of these panels for sure should have been the panel of wanda and hope at the end of avengers versus x-men but isn't this kind of like we'll just give her her greatest hits and it's like here wanda all the times you fucked up but like I said before, I think that's like, again, that's the point of her character is that she all fucks up. And like, even with Empire, she like, like I said before, she's like, I'm going to, I feel bad that I did this. So I'm going to resurrect the mutants. And it just didn't go how she wanted. And she's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, yeah, this whole issue was a, a little bit of a disappointment. I'm hoping that they stick the landing, you know, with, with issues four and five, but we'll see. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Leah Williams definitely makes me optimistic. Leah is is, you know, as I said earlier, probably, you know, one of my, if not my favorite writer, it felt like treading water on a book that should like should be coming out quicker, like on a book where we should be getting more of this quicker.
quicker because you've got two big events happening at the same time despite not occurring at the same time like now we're what we're just delaying or pushing back like we're stretching this story out it felt like the worst parts of 90s decompressed storytelling um uh, that's 100 percent right yeah the x line had gotten so far away from like they are not they are not the everything has to be like five or six issues you know trade lane storytelling like we get so many one-offs two parts three parts like for the most part the stories we get fit the size of the story yeah like, but like the, like spare a thought for leo though because in the last i guess 12 months i can think of two times specifically that marvel has like really fucked her and it's in both in different directions at least this is the, the this feels like the second time the first time being x factors wrapping up you gotta close it down you've got two or three issues to tie up all the threads that you were seeding go for it now this one feels like the opposite where it's she has a neat little story to tell and they're like okay but we got to stretch it for five issues so that's how we got this that's my theory anyways i feel like leah is like fighting this time compression this mini series is definitely going to be its own trade. You need to make this 100 pages. Right. And and it would have been better if instead they would have given X Factor more issues and this less issues. Exactly. Which is kind of ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if exactly right. Like if we had given X Factor three more issues even and just like we were saying, turn this into a, a double size, mm-hmm. giant size, whatever. I hope Leah's all right after all this. I hope, you know, I, I love Leah as a writer. Like I, I'm right there with you, Josh. I, you know, every week at on this podcast and talk about how the crime of canceling X Factor and I would love to see her get a season two of X Factor after this dust settles but for right now let's just get through this this series I do think that I, I think that it'll end like better I think this was just the one-off issue where it was the middle part and it was just kind of filler story before I even read it it was impossible to escape people's reactions on on Twitter and everybody just rare that you see everybody agree on something but it really felt like everybody was like eh, what was this nobody was and and in a week where you know we only get one issue mm-hmm. right so i mean we've been spoiled with an abundance we've been getting 10 to 15 x titles a month out of the x office and you know regularly having two to three each week to read and for whatever you know shipping delays or whatever whatever reason that these things last minute got pushed back we get one comic to talk about one comic to move our x line forward this week and is not a good one. Hey everybody, Nico here one more time. So in this next segment, we kind of had a case of the giggles. We had been having a really good time in the green room before we started recording. So you guys might notice that the intro is a little bit choppy because I wanted to make sure that especially once the conversation about the book took hold and so much of the conversation became about the importance of understanding and respecting representation, especially from underserved communities who have never been taken seriously, it kind of felt really important to me to go back and try and clean up that introduction. All giggles aside, once things got going, we were able to discuss the narrative structure of the Marvel character versus the Marvel Universe format, and the ways it perhaps is somewhat holding Shang-Chi back in this title, and yet his character is still fleshed out beautifully by the companion work by Alyssa Wong. Now, since recording this segment, it's been announced that Alyssa Wong is going to help relaunch the Iron Fist for the Marvel Universe, so I'm not sure how much more Alyssa Wong on Shang-Chi we're going to see, but I don't know that I could be more excited for 
both a creator and a property, Iron Fist has deserved that sort of reboot forever. I've made a number of perhaps unfair comments about how Iron Fist now serves no purpose, that we have an Asian hero that truly represents the culture. We no longer really need kind of like the white savior coming in. And that is a little sad for me because I'm a big Iron Fist fan. A lot of the work by Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker, who also did work on Shang-Chi, was very formative for my love of modern comics. But I'm so incredibly excited to hear that a writer who has not only shown a deft and kindness with the spirit of their work, but also is capable of writing from a firsthand Asian experience is going to have the opportunity to recreate the Iron Fist in a way that lacks appropriation. I just couldn't be more excited. Anyway, I'm going to be going on about this for months and months here on the show. So... Without further ado, Shang-Chi number five, we hope you guys enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting segment of Exit for Podcast, where we talk about mutants, magic, and Marvel week after week. I'm Nathan, you can find me online at Twitter and Instagram at DazzlerAOA, that's DazzlerAOA on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, I'm Raven, aka Dame Red Bento, and you can find me over on, well, mostly TikTok and Twitter, oddly enough. You are on TikTok an awful lot, aren't you? Right? It's weird. I'm Kyle, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. That's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. And I'm Nico. You guys can find me at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm Jonah. You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. So we're here today to talk about Shang-Chi number five, Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe part five, written by Jean Len Yang, penciled and inked by Dyke Ruan, with colors by Triona Tree Farrell, and letters by Travis Lanham. Nathan, I have to ask you a question right off the bat, Go because I, I feel like in so many ways... You and I just keep jumping feet first, like we are like throwing ourselves to the great Sarlacc pit in the sky, Boba Fett style. Did he, go, Kyle? Did he go feet first? Um, I don't know. I don't if remember. Our husbands were in the room right now. We could get yeah. the answer to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, but I, I feel like you and I keep jumping into these titles one after another, and then it turns out Kyle is reading it, and it turns out Raven can't wait to pick it up, and it turns out I make Jonah read it. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like... And then I end up reading the wrong one. <laughs> hey, but you know what? You feel good about it. <laughs> and that's what matters. But Nathan, I gotta know. I feel like, despite the fact that you and I have been in like 10 Shang-Chi titles together, I feel like I don't get your beat on Shang-Chi yet. I would love to know what it is about the character that like does it for you in particular. And then I would love to hear from everybody about what about this amazing character is really why you keep coming to these titles. You know, I got to say, Shang-Chi was somebody who I always like way back when I got into comic books, I always thought of Shang-Chi like Dazzler. I know I love her now, but I was like, oh, my God, they're such a campy mess. But like, (laughs) turns out I'm a campy mess and I love campy messes. But I really like the reimagining of Shang-Chi as a more serious character, taking a lot of those really bad stereotype out of the equation that Shang-Chi used to really have in the 70s, especially. (laughs) Uh, Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I love seeing the character like actually get a beat and really develop as a character versus what he was before, where he was just sort of like a character who kind of jumped around from title to title, really had no identity. And I like really seeing that and seeing him build up his family and seeing him trying to take over this criminal enterprise and make it right. And I feel like under the 
brilliant pen of Asian writers who know how to handle the culture and the culture shock of living in two different worlds, both your classic culture and your, you know, American immigration culture. I think we see a little bit more deftness and a lot less trope going into these characters. Now, how about you guys? How do you guys feel about Shang-Chi? And what is it that brings you back to this character at this point, for some of us, 12 issues in? My interest in this is Shang-Chi trying his best to redeem the Five Weapons Society, to reform it, despite everything that's kind of working against him. I keep hoping that things are going to turn out as he plans, but you know, I'm getting this feeling that things are going to turn south soon. Oh, why? What would give you that feeling? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Flies around your mom is never a good sign. Yeah. Right? Especially when she goes, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. Mm, are you sure? Are you sure? To me, I came back because I honestly wanted to see the development of Shang-Chi from the 1970s. Oh my God, I can't no. believe how ooh, this is. Because um, I did actually read some of those way back in the day. And oh, oh man. Oh, you did oh, not read I, them in the 70s, though. <laughs> no, no, no. But my, my, no, no. My father collected like old school comic books like when he was growing up. So he still had some old school comic comic books laying around that I got to read mm, and okay. my local comic shop also would do those like those big bundles were like $10 and you just had like this solid brick of like you know four inches worth of comic books and it was always no in the fucking have. magazine bag right? Yes! Yeah! yes! And like heavily taped and like taped you, could, to you could oh my god you could hit a child with them and knock them out. Just <laughs> <laughs> the tape was the most expensive part oh, of what you bought. Right? I think this is how I got the, a lot of the original Dazzlers. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's how I uh, racked up a crazy fuck ton of my perfect Hellblazer collection. <gasps> nice. I would buy Vertigo mixed bags, mm -hmm. and I would spend $10 for 20 mixed 90s Vertigo comics. And if I got one Hellblazer out of that, half the time, that was less money than I would have spent on the single Hellblazer from a collector. Damn. So, Raven, like, those right. those kept me alive, man. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I read Chang-Chi, and, like, looking back at it, I'm like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot of like yellow face and 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> stereotype running through so i wanted to see how well it had developed and honestly i'm, I'm very happy i have very few grapes like okay i have one one ish gripe <laughs> but like it's shoot it's minor it's just the, when they say translated from ancient mandarin ancient doesn't really lend any gravitas to the situation and it just kind of harkens back to when non-asian writers were writing and and would use that and oh I, i'm just so glad they don't do the broken english because <gasps> oh that's what i was so afraid was going to happen i'm like oh okay oh yeah although oh, i did like oh. when they said right after it he's like Ha, you said that in English just for the sake of the pun, didn't you? Right? I, was like, was I don't want to go full Marvin Gaye, but I got to give it up because raven that point was fucking everything you know i hadn't even hadn't even contextualized i'm even okay with them speaking ancient mandarin to be kind of like well look at us you know what i mean like very fancy but like if we're talking mandarin if it's anything like english and let's face it mandarin is so much more complex and and in so many like syntactical linguistic ways vastly superior in its in its uh, complexities 
I, I don't think you can refer to ancient English because, I mean, if you are, you're referring to old English, but then there's still forms of old English and then there's yet middle English. And if I'm not mistaken, Mandarin is a language that has so many phonetic minor differences culturally from dialect to dialect, sometimes as close as village to village near each other, that theoretically, wouldn't each individual dialect of Mandarin have their own ancient origin that everyone would have to know? Yes. Jonah, everybody knows that you are an expert on translating ancient Chinese languages into modern day, and you do so for Marvel all the time. So tell me, what is your relationship with the Five Weapons Society and Shang-Chi that brings you back each month? Well, besides, you know, you shaking me, holding, Jonah, you have to read this. <laughs> I go, is that I scene mean... of Ash trying to make uh, Ripley eat the magazine in Alien? I just shove the comics in your open mouth. <laughs> you do. And I go, okay, well, and I have to read this, I guess. And so I consume oh. it. Because it's um. wet now. <laughs> so I come back to Shang-Chi not only because M- Nico makes me, not Miko, no. That is, uh, that That's is, a Bill I would say that is, a Bill, that is the only person who's allowed to call him Miko is Bill Sienkiewicz. And oh. man, did he do it in an unchangeable way. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't particularly have a relationship with the Five Hand Society, mostly because they are really far removed from the X titles, which is mostly where I've kept my like comic reading, especially more modern day comic reading. So I don't know a lot about the history and Shang uh, Chi's history with the Avengers and what all that you know, all that jazz. Ba-da-ba. But I enjoy the stories that Shang-Chi is put in as well as the specific characterization of not only Shang-Chi but as well as his siblings. However... And like his sibling Roxy. I mean, that's the name on everybody's lips. Yes. Roxy Hart. Uh... The uh, uh, sister voice. <laughs> no, that that would be Dazzler. <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, Roxy Hart can be like Sister Titty. Like that can be sister like Sister Titty. Yeah. Well, sister Titty. Because they both for the gun. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally. Spoilers a... for Chicago if no one's ever seen it. Spoilers or... for Chicago. <laughs> it's really been out for forever. Chase, you are still in 1970, <laughs> and you have to hear these two young, charming musicians, Candor and Ebb. With nothing but a piano and a fucking dream. Rising their way up through the musical composition scene. Guys, spoilers for Chicago. Be warned. (laughs) You never know. I'm trying to be nice. No, I mean, I really think that was really funny. He had it coming. Lip shits. <sighs> well, what I can say about Shang Chi is that he's not Mr. Cellophane because we can't see <laughs> him. My only problem ever about Shang Chi is that I feel like a lot of his stories don't always offer a lot of substance and meat in the mm. sense that they're fun one shots and they're fun stories and I like the character, but overarching, I haven't really had anything to anchor him to. I'm like, this is the run. This is like a defining run for the character, whether for good or bad. It still feels like he's a character character that still has a lot of room to work with because not Mm -hmm. enough has been done to develop his own personal stories Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of his stories are reliant on previous characters as opposed to giving him his own narratives Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I need to be, I, you know, when you like, you know, your people, right? Like if I'm reading a book and it's a book about being a good person and believing in yourself and having the power to free people with your love, I should put Kyle on it because, you know, Kyle is basically a muscle care bear, right? (laughs) If it's a book where people are kind of like, you know, like, like, sassy and gay, like I should put Jonah on it because he's going to have a good time. Right. I know if it's an Iron Man book, I should either immediately put Raven on it or keep her the fuck away. <laughs> Tony wrong. Stark sucks. He's so, so bad. Speaking He's so of hyper reliance on previous characters. <laughs> Raven. Yes. Uh, so your your immortal nemesis, because the two of you are gonna live on in fiction against each other forever. We really uh, will. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. But do you hate Stark more than Strange? Like that, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, okay. she's made that very clear. I oh, believe yeah. one time she was like, I, I don't remember the exact language, but the Nico equivalent was one time Raven was like, don't get me wrong, Strange is a piss baby. But Stark was like, <laughs> So, like, it was something like that. So, yeah, no, she's she's landed. Like, I, I, would, I would straight up, like, I would give Strange a good, like, jab and right cross to the face. I would wait for the perfect and opportune moment to literally thousand years of pain uppercut <laughs> Tony Stark directly in his taint. Like just <laughs> with everything I have. I actually remember how to button mash that out on Street Fighter 2 Turbo if you ever need to see me. <laughs> oh yeah 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 oh man (laughs) the moment i saw the 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 not just tony show up but the moment i saw his little suitcase show up i'm like oh for fuck's sake isn't he such a sanctimonious asshole like he is he's the most horrifyingly sanctimonious asshole and it's even pointed out later in the book (laughs) by one of his own teammates that he was gonna do the same thing like <laughs> like asshole and you're mad at shang chi for what he did dude you were going to literally do the exact same thing you, you the did shit? the same thing you literally broke in in a matter of ugh, and you right? paid somebody to be yeah. surreptitious it was right ugh. i have to imagine kyle that must have made your skin icky you must have been like itchy bad yeah i don't like it oh my god yeah yeah i was i was really uh annoyed that he set shang chi up like Mm -hmm. that i mean this whole issue kind of got on my nerves to be honest this is my first miss in the whole run it's it's not just because of of tony it's because it's this like i said the last time i was on one of these uh issues it's the same exact formula every issue Mm. there yeah it's it's there needs to be some way to change things up with this storyline to make it a, li- a little less redundant. Uh, redundant. Because you you start off with with Shang Chi dealing with a, a a a group of of criminals, then you've got the Avengers come in, and then it, they try to say, "Oh, we're doing okay," and then everything goes weird, and now. We're like, oh, Shang-Chi's a bad guy. I love your impression of the Avengers (laughs) so much. (laughs) You need to see my face. I look deadly serious right now. (laughs) 
I believe it. That was a really good impression, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my god, if they ever make Avenger Man and they put him in the animated <laughs> series, I know who we're putting up. But, you know, I really agree with you, Kyle. I, could, I don't think I could possibly agree with you more. I reached a point where I was just like, yeah, but the good news is, I believe next issue there is a bit of a change up. Next issue has what uh, has to be the conclusion, I guess. Like, it might even be the last issue of the book. Yeah, it does say to be concluded. Well, who knows? Because I accidentally re- read the wrong Shang-Chi. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, did you read last volume? I read the other Shang-Chi number five that came out this year because they didn't make a single change to the title and so i was like huh okay maybe we're doing a read-up to something like i didn't realize that i had read the wrong number five (laughs) in the series because that series ended this year and the new series started up this year with no changes to the title and and i believe it's the same writing group and everything so i'm just like uh So I was like, okay, cool, Chinese vampires. <laughs> so I was like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean, no? He's like, what are you talking about? Like, Chinese vampire Shang-Chi number five, you know? This is <laughs> No. Iron oh, Man. Crap. <laughs> like, crap. So, like, yeah, I had to, like, I had to go and quickly find the correct one. And I'm like, oh, that number five and number five followed very much the same formula. <laughs> <laughs> no argument here. Jonah, Nathan, how do you guys feel about this sort of repeated pattern that, that Shang-Chi finds himself in month by month? Well, the way I look at it is if Shang, this is one of Shang-Chi's, you know, first rungs, uh, run, <laughs> you got to do this in your earlier runs because what was the X-Men early on, if not bearing repeating the exact same events of they fight a villain <laughs> and then Storm just summons a giant lightning bolt and destroys everything and they win. What if is- you're not going to be a trash baby when you're a baby, when can you be a trash baby? Well, but like it's, early it's on, they were like, Iceman was like, oh, it's a girl. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, he did do that. Uh, it, uh, for people who've never read the original uh, X Men run, when Jean Grey was introduced, uh, the three other boys, being Scott, Hank, and Warren, all fawn over there being a girl during the teen. And Bobby goes, Ugh, "A girl, exactly." <laughs> well, he's, he's now that makes more sense. <laughs> but like. You know, at the time, I, and I think this is something like, uh, this is so un, not to do with anything, but <laughs> Kyle, you know, something that I have always loved is your passionate support of ace representation in fiction and seeing characters without romantic interests. And like, it would have just been okay to see the one whose power made him look like a prepubescent snowman. <laughs> like literally, pink version of a snowman. Like, cause you know, snowmans are like these great big bears with big cigars in their mouths. And stuff. <laughs> and, like, the Iceman comes into the picture and he's like, hey daddy. Wow, so like nose. a Twinkie Olaf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I've so, got the carrot. I mean, I mean. Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> In the middle of trying to say how unsexual he was, I made him get fucked by a giant daddy snowman. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the problem. But you know, it would have been okay if he was sexless early on. But you know, Kyle, how do you feel about the fact that while he does have romantic? chemistry in the Shang-Chi titles written by Alyssa Wong and he's getting some time with his ex-girlfriend there I wouldn't call it romance time by any means yeah yeah 
But here there's like a real like lack of like sexual chemistry for anybody in this book. There's no banging. Yeah. Well, that's like all his family I mean, though. Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a family Would book. Stop Wanda and PH. <laughs> <laughs> No. Universe. One star, uh, North Star, and Aurora. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Not, 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 not John Paul and Dominique. Hey, look, if the Fenris twins can do it, you probably oh, should. Okay, the Fenris yeah. twins, I'll give you. Okay. If, if, like, if like Fabio Nazi and his wonder twin wife, sister, do it, you probably want to steer the fuck clear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um but, but no, you're right. Like it's not just a lack of, of sexual tension or anything in anywhere in this book. It's like I don't feel like I really get to know the characters, and that's what I desperately want. I want to get to know these characters because they are so different, and I know that their nuance and their perspective would honestly change how I think and feel about the characters and especially about Asian people. Because I mean, they've gotten so little representation in books, I'm not sure how to feel and most of the time i'm going is it racist that is my first oh. thought throughout a whole book it's like are they going to be racist to uh. these asian characters because wow. i know it's going to happen a lack but of like, representation leads to a difficulty in interpreting what is proper representation because all you've had is what there is wow <laughs> but also this reminds me of the early dazzler series right because like dazzler was not the main star of her dazzler dazzler wasn't even white of- so <laughs> Karma, karma, karma. I mean, um, <clears throat> Dazzler, like, but like Dazzler's solo series, she was not the main star of her solo series. And saying she is not the main star of his solo series right now, it's his guest stars. And like, that's mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, to me. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more time spent just on uh, Shang-Chi and his family and less on guest stars, just mm-hmm. so that we can build the relationships because we have this this run has given us two new members to his family and we know very little about sister staff other than that she's a mutant and she seems to be a working against him she seems to be a super cool mega badass well yes that too yes Yes. and then we have his mother who apparently is from another universe and enjoys bugs on her face (laughs) which i can't i don't want to you know it's it's i'm gonna keep this pretty light yeah uh for spoilers but several things in this book are referential of the film in interesting Mm. ways oh okay Mm. okay so it kind of makes me wonder it's it's sort of the the beautiful question that nathan posed for america chavez what's what's the order here did somebody say hey wait we might need to change her origin for dr strange or dr strange 2 the multiverse of madness which she's going to be in or did somebody say hey is there an updated origin let's go with that for the movie which came first so i think it's a really important question mm. true very true and like the america series i like this i like the series as well but i'm like wondering like what is <sighs> we've seen this before in the past right we've seen so and so versus the marvel universe so mm-hmm. we've seen like deadpool versus the marvel universe we've seen everybody versus the marvel universe right so like mm-hmm. what is does it really get you to the point of the character by having everybody fight shang chi like are we really learning anything about this character by having that fight right no because we could learn so much more by just having them talk mm-hmm. 
Muscle yes. Care Bear's power is mediation. <laughs> hey, I agree with Muscle Care Bear. Mediation is amazing. Well, to be fair, Kyle, the same can be said for a lot of sitcoms. That's a lot true. Of sitcom situations would never have happened if people actually communicated, but that doesn't make for entertaining TV shows. Well, I mean, but is this supposed to be comedy or is this supposed to be a little bit more dramatic? But is it fashion? So, do we think that Tony Stark should have probably just gone in and asked Shang-Chi what was going on with the Cosmic Cube instead of breaking into his facility and trying to suss out the suspect? I think you, mean, you already know my answer. You mean besides <laughs> hiring a group of actors to put their bodies on right. the line, so of course they're going to have some Asian-on-Asian Asian violence. Then he breaks in himself to retrieve the super suit that he put in a suitcase <laughs> to make sure that he would have access to the information that he needed, snatched the head, ran away like a little bitch after getting his ass handed <laughs> to him. I, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He could have... Fucking ass. of the 80s super armor like from the mega wars or from the armor wars like that was amazing to me like yes but th thank you for raven for rephrasing what i'm asking everybody sorry <laughs> was tony stark a little bitch for what his actions were it's important to remember with things like cosmic cubes and like i mean this people really do just go up to people and they'll just send in steve and steve will just be like shung and he'd put the shield down and he'd pull the mask back and he would put his hand out and he would say, son, do you have one of the cubes? And the book would end there. But instead, they sent in Tony Stark, who's kind of like, how can I steal? Ah! Like, so, it's, but it's, would you trust Steve Rogers with a cosmic cube after Utopia? Yes. Yes. I will oh. always trust Steve Rogers to make the right decision with a cosmic cube because he did not say the words, make this man Bucky. He said, mm. let him remember. Mm. And I will oh. never, ever forget how I was so fucking amazed by the selfless, the selflessness of the language Brubaker chose to use when mm -hmm. Steve did use the cosmic cube in Captain America, the Winter Soldier arc. I really thought it was... Uh, a moment that defines his character forever and i will never be able to let go of it i am a yeah. child <laughs> no i'm 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 so there with you i would trust steve to at least try the talking version first and then if they needed to throw a couple of you know haymakers oh yeah he'll he'll definitely back up the words with a fight if he needs to but like tony sent in actors and extra equipment and lied and you know blew shit up and then went back to his group and you know was going oh i can't believe he said yeah well we wouldn't steal he lied straight to my face it hurts and it's like uh but to be fair tony you were doing the same thing to him well sure but my lies are for a good cause i'm like like what in the caucasity was that <laughs> And am I the only Steve Rogers anti here? Like, like, yes. oh my god, like, yes, yeah, oh my god, you're, you're the really? only one. Like, oh, he's such a cop. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> like he's like the definition of a cop. Like, come he's on, he's not really. a cop. No, he is not no, a cop. He he's is. a Boy Scout. He's an absolute okay. Boy Scout. Where he believes a little too much sometimes in the shit that's coming out of his mouth, but it is actually from a good place. Versus, but like, what has he done? To the mutant no, flight? Tony. Like, come on. Tony is the cop. And actually, Tony is, I, the absolute Tony cop. is Elon Musk. I think. Oh, Man versus I, I the cop. 
I was about to say, you know what? You said it best the other day, Nathan. You said Danvers is a cop, and she I don't is. think Danvers and Rogers behave similar enough to call them both okay. cops. Okay. Yeah. I think you know, and it's it sounds like I'm splitting fucking hairs. Here. <laughs> 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 but is, only uh, modern Danvers is a cop. Like mm. he's like a former Danvers vet who got a job working for a security firm. Mm-hmm. And so he's mm-hmm. always in the black polo and he takes it very seriously. And he has a company issued phone that can go underwater and stuff. <laughs> and he has the license to carry concealed permit, but he doesn't like taking the gun oh. places, makes people nervous, but he had the gun trap put in the minivan. Shh, don't tell Buck. You know what I mean? So like, I get it. I don't think Rogers is a cop. I think he is a deeply misguided man that embodies the sentiment of he's a little confused, but he's got the right spirit. Jonah, the joke ender. Um, for for me personally, I. I am so confused by everybody trusting Shang-Chi for years, and then when he takes over his father's organization, nobody thinks to ask, hey, maybe he's doing good. It feels like everything they've been through is completely wasted because he's associating with the label of his father's society that he inherited, but clearly isn't doing bad things. It just feels so bizarre and weird to have all the Avengers basically just trust him for no real discernible reason. I am a little confused by that part, those parts of the story, and it just kind of makes me feel bad for Shang-Chi because, like, did nobody really, you know, care about him or, like, see him as an ally, if that's how they're... I'm under the impression that Shang-Chi number six is going to be the final issue, which breaks my heart. I truly, I've just extensively loved this journey. We had the five issue initial miniseries followed by the one shot by Alyssa Wong, the four issues of Shang-Chi Unlimited by Alyssa Wong, this six issue series, and Marvel Voices. Kind of sounds like it makes for a delicious little omnibus. But with this run coming to an end, or at least this arc, what is everybody's hope for Shang-Chi moving forward? I think I just need him to have a moment of rest. You know, he hasn't gotten to enjoy his family. He hasn't gotten to enjoy his mom. And I don't think Shang-Chi is a man who is easily swayed by the physical world. But, like, I'm not saying he needs to cover himself in beautiful, like, beautiful... I can't even get the words out because it's Shang-Chi and it feels unnatural. But I'm not saying he needs to surround himself in beautiful whores or anything. But, like, enjoy your money, dude. Buy some expensive cheeses. And, like... I, I feel like we haven't gotten to see Shang-Chi have a moment of, of any kind of passion or joy. And that's all I really want for the guy. I just think he's such a fantastic character. How about you all, guys? I, I absolutely <laughs> agree with that. Like, I would love to see him enjoy the riches. I mean, and like you said, he doesn't have to be covered in beautiful horse, but like, let him enjoy some of the fineries. He's got all this money and it, it, it always seems like duty, duty, duty. I have to, you know, duty bound to do this. Oh, I have to protect this. Like, dude half the reason we fall in love with and relate to characters is because they often have human moments like Matt Murdock going on a date, like, you know, Captain America going out and, and seeing artwork and sketching at a cafe, like those little human moments really help to bring you in contact and in touch with the humanity of a character. I would love to see that for Shang-Chi because I really, really, really want to connect with it. Uh, for me, you know, I 
I, I'm wondering if the Five Weapon Society is really where he's meant to be. Everything seems to be working against him, and I, I kind of would like to see him get out from under that weight of obligation of duty it it seems like it's something that he he'll be stuck in if he doesn't get out and mm. that doesn't provide a lot of opportunity for growth unless the entire organization decides to change and it doesn't feel like that at this point in time i would say the thing that i want to see is the resolution to the arc with his mother like i really yeah want to see... flies lady Right? Like, because, you know, page space is limited, so you know that she would not be saying that she is from another dimension if there wasn't something more going on in that arc. Like, I really want to see the, the potential of that brought up. Don't like what that means for Shang-Chi as a character, that maybe he would be other dimensional because that brings into the whole other world thing with Betsy and Brian. But I would love to see like that arc finished and completed because we know that other writers, if they bring it up, they might not be as careful with how they do it. There have been some comics that have shown Shang-Chi in a lot more of a relaxed light. I think to that one-shot issue with Lady Deathstrike, where mm -hmm. he was out with some mm -hmm. with his friend, and they were getting some frozen yogurt in Paris when they visited that. Seoul with Arctic Fox. And like, there are moments that I think are really cool, and that was in the uh, Marvel, uh, the Shang-Chi Infinity comic. Mm -hmm. Well, so, both by Alyssa Wong. Yes. So it sounds yeah. like, mm -hmm. like me, you really resonate with Alyssa Wong's Shang-Chi as well. Same, but Yes, anyway. and mm. that's not to say that I don't resonate with this Shang-Chi as well, but it feels like this vision for this story isn't going to allow for a different relaxed moments, which is something that I tend to enjoy in comics. I enjoy that downtime. What I hope for, I hope for that Shang-Chi as a character is able to form his identity and carve out his niche and role within the Marvel Universe at large, but also allow him to have stories that feel unique to Shang-Chi and Shang-Chi alone. I feel like a lot of these stories, uh, you could have slapped anybody else in them, I really would love for a creative team to come up with stories that only Shang-Chi would be able to figure out and be placed in those situations to begin with. The artwork in here is absolutely gorgeous. Oh I live God, and so die gorgeous. for the colors and the color story. The The art was just absolutely sublime and really, so really just <laughs> right. And it really did just, it drew me into that story for a lot of reasons. So yeah, love the art. I just need a little bit more depth because I really mm. want to be like feeling like I'm standing right next to that character. I want to be transfixed. Mm -hmm. I think that anytime that you do a this character versus the Marvel Universe, unfortunately, you tend to focus more on the guest stars than the actual character mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Raven, I really would have liked to learn a lot more about Shang-Chi and his internal workings and his relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Hey everybody, Nico here one last time. Now, early in the episode, I said that I would mention where you could find a number of these issues. Now, almost all of them are available on marvelunlimited.com as well as through Comixology. But if you do want to pick up some nice hardcover editions of some of these, Uncanny X-Men 150 can be found in Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 2. If you're looking to get your hands on Uncanny X-Men 200 in Omnibus Edition, you're out of luck. It has not yet been printed as Uncanny X-Men Omnibus 4 
only goes up to 193 If you are interested in getting your hands on Inferno and Inferno Prologue, those are both currently out this year. Inferno was released in March with Inferno Prologue coming out September 1st. Now these encompass Uncanny X-Men 228 through 243, a number of X-Factor issues, and if you're looking at Inferno, you're also going to read material from Power Pack, Avengers, Fantastic Four, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, Daredevil, Excalibur, and The Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger. So there's a lot of material in there to pick up. Now, as far as that issue of New Mutants, aforementioned New Mutants 35, that's going to be dropping in December of this year in New Mutants Volume 2. And lastly, anybody interested in some of those aforementioned classic Shang-Chi stories, there are four Shang-Chi volumes available. They were published a while back, so they might be a little bit harder to get your hands on, having been published in 2016 and 2017. But they number his titles from 1974 all the way up through 1990. So if you can get your hands on them that's a pretty significant amount of shang chi's history as always guys we love making this show for you twice a week every week so keep those mutant lights lit those krakoan gateways open and we'll see ya